they're just ambitious women networking while some other women aspire to get burkin while some other women hit the club and get twerking educated women know that it's a bit irking whether you be a woman or you be a male you need to listen to janina and shalia l because if you know like i know ain't nothing better than the billy john authenticity is something that they really on <laughs> this is the john a podcast i love y'all be forward. Welcome to the Join Podcast. I'm your host, Shalia. And your host, Nina. And today we have a special guest. We have Kenya in the building. Say hi to the people, Kenya. Hey, y'all. Hey. Today's affirmation says, Always let your faith be bigger than your worries. Sis, y'all cool? I'm cool. Listen, I'm determined to be cool. So that's all, Janine. That's all. That's all you got today. That's you it. That's all. To be cool. <laughs> all right, we 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 can take that. We can take that. What about you, Kenya? I'm cool. I mean, like Janina said, I'm determined to be cool. You know, like it is what it is. I'm good. Huh? I'm cool. Um, I had a rough weekend, but uh, my week started off with some good news. I didn't even get to tell Janina this, but um, yesterday I had a first interview with a job. Today they called me. They went to interview me for the second interview tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. So from a bad weekend to a good week. So I'm on a high rate. I like that path. I like how that's going. And the fact that they called you back so quick is a good sign. Yes. You know, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, is a good thing that you're here because it'll help me, you know, yep. navigate towards tomorrow. So, um, oh, I like that drawing. Which y'all, oh, I like that drawing for this week? I got a couple. Go ahead, um, girl. <laughs> good. I got a couple. All right. So I might, I might need the duck for the tomatoes, but. I'm a Bridgerton fan, and I've been watching this second season. Now I'll give it to you. It's starting off a little slow, um, but I like it. I like how they're building the character, uh, the other characters for the, you know, for the show. Um, so in terms of like, you know, movies, I'm, I'm feeling that joy this week. Um, let me see what else. What else? I like my workout regimen this week. I'm feeling that joy. I was putting in work today, so you know, I'm happy about that. Okay. Yeah. I give you all credit for working out because I've been so horrible the last two, last three years. Ever since I had my son, I've just been really bad for working out. That's, you know, I started it right after having my daughter. It's the only me time I get. So, and it's good. Yeah, I worked out a lot after I had Eva. Like, I was working out a lot. It's just, I don't know. This son. It's hard. The balance, man. It's not easy. It's mental. It's more mental for me. But I had, like, I have some depression, I think, and so that like affects it. But I really need some motivation to get it you know, together. It's funny you said that because what started me working out is because I had really bad postpartum depression and anxiety, and I needed to do something. Like and for me, I've always worked through things physically, um, and my real my real estate agent 
um, introduced me to the place that I go now and have been going for the last three years. And I got to say, it brought me back to life. Like I had real bad postpartum yeah. depression and real and a lot of grief because that lost a lot of people. So I was like, oh, yeah. Lord, something got to give. And it, I feel like it's what brought me back to life because I was like very in a dark place at the time. Mm-hmm. It brought me, it really brought me out and brought me back to life. Yeah. yeah. That's another reason why I need to do it to yep. help with, you know, because it, it, it releases a lot, a lot of endorphins. So I Girl, told you tell me that I'm going to come get you. <laughs> I'm going to come get you one day. I'll be trying. Listen, I, Girl. so after my. If uh, I had somebody that came and got me every day. <laughs> my transplant <laughs> surgery, I was, I went into depression and I talked about it. So I started working out and I don't do much because I can't. Yeah. I'm trying. I just gradually add 10 minutes when I feel up to it. But I do grow with Joe on YouTube. I love grow with Joe. Yeah. And I like it's like it's it's a good like it's low impact sometimes sometimes it's high right. impact, but it gets you moving and you work up a good clip. Yeah, yeah. But at home, yeah. Exactly. But Janina, I'm coming to get you girl at least one day. We're gonna try it out. <laughs> you can go early in the morning though. I don't have to go early in the morning. We could do it on oh, a Saturday. Okay. Okay. I'm making that yeah. commitment to you because I reckon, I, I understand. It. I need it. <laughs> Everything you said resonates deeply with me, so I understand. Yeah, I just need the ball rolling because, I mean, I used to, that, that's the whole thing. Like, at one point, I used to go to the gym every day, but I just need to, even if I can get my butt, because I have a treadmill here, I just need to get my butt on that treadmill. Yep, I think I'm probably, cool. like, the, the biggest I've ever been, so. But. It's so good. Start somewhere, even if it's ten minutes, five minutes, mm-hmm. right? And I know. give you, you know, even if I got come with you to your house, you won't let me in. I'll take a COVID <laughs> test, girl. Let me in, and we can do something. Together. I ain't even scared of COVID no more. <laughs> I'm not even scared of COVID no more. You should have seen. I was like, look at me. I was at work. We didn't have no mask on. All this. I was like, look at us. <laughs> I was not scared. I was looking like a whole Republican. We was in there, no mask. You everything. is a hot mess. Like, look Listen, circa twenty nineteen. Look at us. Uh, look at us. Yes, I was like, that. I was not even. I wasn't scared anymore. Like, Listen. I'm still scared. I can't. You should I'm be scared. Not. Yeah. So yeah. I'm partially scared. Um, like I'll take my mask off in certain settings, like I'll pull it down and do whatever. But like I have not gone completely maskless yet. Yeah. Except yeah. I, you know what? In my in the gym, I'll come in with my mask, and after like that warm up, I'll take I could come it off, or I don't wear it at all. I'm gonna be honest. But uh, yeah, yeah. Even when we went, me and my husband went out this weekend. Even when we were out, we didn't have our mask on. Go your went. You living on the edge, girl. <laughs> we was. I, was. I was like, look at us. I said, Lord, please cover us. We do not need to get COVID. Right. <laughs> but, Wait. you know, I'm boosted and the whole family had COVID in January. So I'm just like, listen, my parents had COVID plus they boosted. I was like, yeah. I'm not scared of COVID. Anymore. My whole house had it. My husband had it. My daughter had it. And I had it right after things, right after Christmas and leading into the new year. And I was barely sick at all. I had like, I lost my sense of taste and smell. Well, last week on Q, right? You sound last like you sick now. Well, I'm getting over it. I was I was sicker <laughs> last week than I was when I actually had COVID. Like wow. I had fever, chills, body aches, headaches, stomach stuff. It, you named they said it. the My flu was going around. Yeah. I think it was the flu, honestly, because I'm like, what is going on? That's why I sound all raspy. You <laughs> A little raspy, do. sexy voice. 
<laughs> they don't know. They ain't never heard your voice before. Right. The HR lady. So wish your oh I that's that's it for your oh I like that drum skin. Yes, that that's it for me. Okay. What's yours, Janina? Um, I watch the show on Netflix called The The Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Marry or move on. It's such a messy show. So you heard of this show, Love is Blind? Mm-hmm. So Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey, I guess, host Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. And so Love, Love is Blind has two seasons. But this is the first season of The Ultimatum, and they host this one, too. It's the messiest, messiest show ever. But it's, I mean, it's good TV. So basically, it's like, this is the part that makes it so messy. So you're dating somebody, and you're like, well, either you marry me or we want to move on, right? Oh, I heard about this. Right. So, but all of these kids on the show are under 25, like 24, 25, 23, young. Mm. So they're dating these, you know, they're just so young, but they're dating, they've dated like two years or whatever. And most of them, it was girls saying, giving the ultimatum to the boy. But there were, I think one, no, there were, yeah, I think it was like one or two that gave it to, that it was the female that didn't want to get married. Oh. But they just, this is what they do. So it's like eight couples. They then date each other. What? <laughs> oh, that's messy. Yes, very messy. They then like go like basically speed date all the couples, and then they sit down and decide which one of the other couples they're going to live with for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, two couples live it's together, so or like, white girlfriend A and boyfriend B live together. Is that what we're yes. talking? Ooh, it's so messy. I was watching it when I was getting my hair braided last week, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know they did that." I'm like, "Wait, what? They're going to date each other? This is crazy." So, like, at the end of the project, a couple of couples weren't together at all. Because they already broke up before the ultimatum was even given, and then two of the couples got engaged. You know what I mean, like that. So, yeah. like at the at the complete end, people are supposed to get engaged. It's, it's messy. But did it's people? Good. Did anybody get with the person they were dating outside of their relationship? Did any new like at the end of the form? show they did? Yeah, Ooh, it's like white swap meets <laughs> right. Loving hip hop, exactly. A lot it's going so on. A lot yes. going on. That was my only all. Oh, I like that joint. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my oh i like that ones is a show on amazon prime it's called undercover billionaire and i came across it because i was visiting one of my friends and they were watching it um so it's basically like a billionaire on a show they give the person a hundred dollars in 90 days to build a business from scratch so it's basically like they go out and recruit people and the people basically work for free not knowing that this person is a billionaire. And so the one guy that I watched, he was a billionaire. He went to Airy PA and he just was asking strangers like, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? And they were like, yeah. He was like, well, you know, can you do this? Ultimately, he opened up a barbecue restaurant and he like went into like a barbecue competition. They ended With $100? How did he open up a barbecue restaurant? Because before that, he was doing like little things like one thing he did was went around and found uh damaged tires and like fixed them and um made money off of it. 
So he, so he, so he used some of his own money in addition to the hundred dollars, I'm guessing. No, wow. because he had the hundred dollars, and he basically had people working for him for free. So he had a guy who made t-shirts. Ah. T-shirts. So basically, it's just people doing things off of goodwill. They don't know he's a billionaire to the end. But the barbecue oh. business wasn't in like a facility. It was just on a street. It was. So he, okay. what he did is he got all these people together. Somebody who knew how to barbecue. Somebody who knew how to make a grill. Somebody who knew how to do t-shirts. And they did this because they knew at the end that he was going to make money and possibly give them a job. Got it. So he. But what about the person who owned the building? That's fine. He just convinced. He them. owned the building. Oh, that's why I was confused. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> From the money he made, he bought like a rinky ding building. He had like an interior designer on his team. She fixed it up, but. The money that they were making from the barbecue competition is the money she used to fix up the restaurant. Ah, so it was like as they were earning it, she was using it to like right, make right, incremental right. changes. Got right. you. So nobody knew this man was a billionaire, but he had slipped up and sent the email to the guy who was making the grill, but he sent it from his own email. So the guy who was making the grill knew and was so upset, but he begged him not to tell. So he didn't tell. So at the end, they opened up the restaurant or whatever, and he finally had to tell them. So he told them, and he ended up giving people like $20,000 checks, $10,000 checks, or like part of the wow. business and stuff like that. It's really, really good. It's several. Is it, is it from the same same it. makers of Undercover Boss or no? I don't think so. Oh, okay. So. That's a good lesson. And like, you never know who it's you're It's so many lessons. Yeah, it's so many lessons in that all like the different episodes and people were using their gifts to help him advance his, his mission and, and never knew never knew that's a, a good definition of your gifts making room for you right if you you know if you're giving them in a, from a good place a good a right. place of goodwill exactly mm. so it was really really good um and then my other oh i like that joint is this game it's kind of like wordle it's called if you know you know and it's from the creator of the game um culture tags yeah so you just go you go to the website is the the uh and the letters for if you know you know and then you go on there and you try to figure out the word and i love it because it's actually stuff that we would know as black people oh like acronyms yeah 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 so that's yeah, like the culture tag i like yeah. culture tags that's yeah like the cult yeah it's just like yeah. the culture tags but it's in like the form of wordle so Ooh. I've been playing it <laughs> instead of Wordle. So yeah, Ooh. those are my oh I like that joints. So okay, what did y'all buy this week? I could say uh, I didn't buy nothing. I didn't buy anything. You so. want to see? <laughs> what you buy, Kenya? Oh, uh, <laughs> me and Amazon Prime got a love relationship, a love affair. Listen, that's why we we have this on the show because we do too. But I've been mm. cutting back. But what you buy? Um, I actually bought something for my daughter. I bought her some shoes from um, Amazon that she needed. These cute little like ballet flats. Um, what else? She can dance. No, it's oh, something ballet flats. Wear. Like ballet yeah. flats. Oh, oh, yeah. oh okay. Like the no, shoes she's gonna that. actually take soccer and karate and then dance later. Yeah, my okay. daughter's a little rough. She's like me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got those for her. So she's gonna wear them on Sunday. Okay. Like cute little shoes. And she can't wear nothing too slippery because she likes to run around and stuff. So. I had to okay. get something with a rubber sole, but yeah. And I bought some earrings, and that's all I'm going to tell y'all. 
you know, the list goes Don't well. be ashamed. Ain't no shame up in here. Nah, <laughs> yes, it is, child, because my husband's going to watch this and be like, yo. Um, oh, is he? Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, that, come on now. You, 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 you killing that, John. <laughs> Talk about Amazon. No, he don't, he don't care because I'm responsible with it, but yeah. Exactly. But yeah, me and Amazon Prime girl. Woo-wee. That's that's all of us. I had to put myself on the Amazon budget. So listen. Need to back away. Yeah. Sometimes I'd be like, You don't need this. Why? Why do you I have know. this in your cart? Take it out. They be getting yeah. you with a little ten percent discount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't hit me with the subscribe and save. I'd be like, Yeah, subscribe and save. Do it. Oh, baby. I never do yeah. it. Because I always, when I did hit the subscribe and save, I would always forget. And then I would get a notification that, like, my order is coming. I'm like, what? what is that? Wait a minute. Oh, what? Oh, I had, at one point, I had, like, 31 subscriptions for different household stuff. And they would come oh at different times. Tissues, yeah. toilet paper, like, my daughter's diapers, her formula. Like, that's when I started it when I had Angelica. So now mm. I've pared it down. So I just get um, dryer sheets, Tide Pods dishwashing liquid and um toothpaste and i just added some scott tissue listen it's okay to pay pay do what you need to do for convenience Mm. because life is so busy so yeah yeah like for me my husband when he comes home then he goes and does a lot of shopping when he comes home so i don't really have to do a lot of shopping for the house but i have to make sure that i tell him like I have everything in advance. Yeah. But he buys stuff in bulk. Yeah, but he'll buy it in bulk anyway. But um, I'm always buying something off of Amazon. I really, I just bought my mom and dad an Echo Show. It came today. Um, I'm going to take it over there. But I don't know. I'm kind of selfish because I somewhat bought it for Aiden because he likes the one that I have. But it's also a good way for me to drop in because you 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 have an Echo Show, can you? I do, but I never set it up. Oh, I got it as a Christmas gift. Stop! Wait, no, 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 no. That's a child fuck one years ago. Echo Dot. I do have an Echo Stop. Show. I actually bought one for my brother. My brother who is disabled now. I bought one for him so he can like do his video calls and stuff like that. And I also bought him the is this other device, Facebook TV. So he has both, but he uses it to like do video chats with us. Yes. Okay. okay. So, yeah, like, with yeah, the Echo yeah. Show, you can drop in, like, from the app, you can drop in and see, like, the see what's going on in in house. Yeah. So, I just figured I can sh- I can show my dad that, and he could like drop in because my mom don't have like a iPhone or nothing. Okay. So you can just like you know if you have a, if somebody has the Echo Show and it's connected to your Amazon account, then you can go in hit drop in and you basically pop up on their screen. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I just wanted for the video uh, capabilities. Now that I know, oh. I'm going to find into my Amazon account so I can do that. And just yeah, because like sometimes you know, my eyes my, my, like if I'm in a basement doing laundry and my son is upstairs and I know he's on the Echo Show, then I can drop in. He's like, hey, mommy. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> just told me something new. <laughs> like, like, can you go yeah. be checking it on her daughter all the time? No, my brother has it. My brother, I got oh, your brother. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely good. You can check in and see what's going on as long as, yeah, as long as their camera is not covered. No, his camera don't be covered. You just taught me something. Anyway, that need to be um, Yeah, and then I think it will be good for them too. Well, I I have a ring a ring um doorbell that I need to give them because then. If you have a ring doorbell, it can show up on your Echo Show too. 
I think. But anyway. Technology Ooh. is the bomb. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the latest thing that I bought off of Amazon. All right, you got to hit this join up is where we highlight a small business. And this business is a business that I actually came across on Facebook, but I've been watching them for a minute. So they kind of like my family. <laughs> <laughs> and they're called Cooking with Greens, but they have a cooking show on Facebook. They cook on live every day at six o'clock. Um, they have a line of seasonings, a lot of salts and seasonings. Um, they have the the one that I like the most is their maple bacon. It's all vegan, but put it in your greens. Tastes just like you got some smoked meat in your greens. Um, so the maple bacon is seasoning. It's seasoning, but it's vegan. It's no bacon. Yeah, and bacon. they have like a a special. They have a five pack for twenty dollars. But they also have a cookbook. So right now they have a special. If you buy their cookbook, you could get the five pack for free. They also have knives, aprons, hats, everything. Um, so I love them. Like I've sent them stuff and told them like, you're my eye opal in my head. So, but they always <laughs> have like their kids on their cooking, like their mom, um, their sisters, like they're just like a close knit family and I love it. So when, how um, often are they live? Every it, night at six o'clock. Okay. Every single night. Okay, I'm gonna check them out. And they the share their time. recipes on their website for free. That's another thing that I love. So last night they cooked these sweet potato biscuits. I got the recipe. Easter's mm. on Sunday. I'm gonna be making them biscuits even though I don't need them. But it's Easter, so I'm gonna treat myself. But their uh website is cookingwithgreensfamily.com and you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at cooking with greens so make sure y'all hit them up follow the small business i'm telling y'all if you like cooking you'll love it and they're funny they're funny they're down to earth it's just like watching like i said like your eye uncle cooking in the kitchen so hit them up <laughs> we are they where are they based out of virginia no virginia oh, okay yeah but they're originally from new jersey hmm Oh, I just follow them on Facebook. Cause... Cool. Let me know yeah. how you like it. I will. Thank you. So, <laughs> for Horace Bolt, I'm going to do Scorpio. Um, I don't know a whole lot of Scorpios, I feel like. Um, you either. <laughs> um, for money. This week, you may be thinking about changing where you live and spending more in this area. You want more from your home. It isn't your dwelling, but also a place to hopefully entertain people, friends, and colleagues again at some point and express who you are. A supportive aspect shows that it isn't such a bad idea to put some more of your cash into your castle. And for love, the sun is in strong areas this week, increasing your aggression and making you fully capable of standing up for yourself. Be prepared for fights to end in... <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> in vigorous sex. <laughs> That's definitely Scorpio. Scorpio, I love say. Scorpios, they say they freaks. But yeah. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> we prepare for fights to end in vigorous sex. However, during this transit, making up after a passionate fight is unimaginably hot. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's Scorpio. 
The Libra full moon over the weekend puts you in the mood to compromise and your partner should be in an equally balanced frame of mind. This is a great time to weigh the pros and cons of a difficult romantic issue and come to terms with the best solution. Even if you don't get exactly what you want, meeting in the middle produces a satisfying outcome. Okay, Scorpio. Shout out to the Scorpio. And, <laughs> and for health, the stars are highlighting a new desire to reach the peak of fitness. If you have a particular health problem, you'll be keen to find resources that can help you overcome it. This might include books, seminars, or local groups. By connecting with others who share your same issues, you'll feel an uplifting sense of support. It's also a good time to join a gym. Okay, Scorpio, y'all listen. Come on now, Scorpio. There's a song by Money Bag Yo called Scorpio. You should listen to it. Okay. It's very insightful. To it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the last thing before we get into our topic with Kenya is current events. So, in Philadelphia, they said, y'all thought y'all could go maskless or not. <laughs> Put your mask back on. <laughs> and when y'all go into these places, put your mask back on. Down here, they ain't been wearing their mask the whole time, child. They look at me like I'm crazy with my mask. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, I heard that. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. We went, to North, we went to North Carolina, what, last June? Last June and nobody was wearing masks. I was in New Orleans last uh, May and they were not wearing no masks. I was right on Bourbon Street with my mask on. And then after a couple hand grenades, you know, came off. But anyway, it's a topic for another John podcast we'll talk about. I can't wait lifted up. Shall I have my little, uh, my little midriff out showing off my little one little muscle I got going on? It was hot. I was like, okay. Abelina, honey, y'all. Abelina. Them hand grenades will do it to you. So listen, put y'all mask back on. Stop playing. They said y'all could be mad all y'all want to. It's better (laughs) safe than sorry. That's true. So anyway, we're going to get into our topic for this week. That's why we have Kenya here. She is the HR guru. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So this week's topic is human resources, tips, and tricks. So, Kenya, do you want to tell the people a little bit about your background and about yourself? Yeah. All right, now we're okay. Yeah, well, I've been in human resources for um, officially 22 years, unofficially for 24 years. Um, what? I, yeah. Okay, I know. And started in college. So, I, I started in the position in college. I went to LaSalle University, go explore. And I worked at the um, LaSalle University Nonprofit Management Development Center. It's now called the Nonprofit Center. And so they are a support organization for nonprofit uh, organizations, and they offer different types of workshops and, and consultants. So board governance, financial management, marketing, human resources, et cetera. And in the role that I was in as an office assistant, I had I was responsible for enrollment, and I could sometimes attend the classes. And I attended one of their HR workshops, and I loved it. Um, and so I used it as an opportunity to kind of get more exposure in HR. And so I became what, like the assistant for the workshop, helping them design it, put it together. And I started, I was like the point person for HR stuff, um, very like clerical based HR stuff for our actual human resources office at LaSalle. So that was kind of how I started it. And I came into LaSalle as a psychology major. And then my junior year, when I really was digging into the HR piece, I got a mentor, um, who was at the time an officer in our our um 
human resources professional organization called SHRM, not to be confused with the drug. It stands for Society for Human Resources Management. And he was my mentor. Um, and he kind of helped me figure out how to parlay my psychology background into human resources and told me to take business classes. And so I took a, a business management class, which is basically the psychology of behavior in the workplace. And I was already a psychology major. So I picked up um, business management as a second major and started like looking for internships and different things like that. And I got a really good internship. And then after graduation, um, I worked in the bankruptcy court for like three months that, you know, wasn't for me. And I was able to actually get my first position in human resources at LaSalle University. And that's when the 20, uh, you know, the 20s or whatever plus years kind of started for them. So I've been in HR in different kinds of positions. I worked across various uh, functions in human resources because you think of HR, people immediately think hiring and firing, and there's so right. much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked, my goal was to become like a, a generalist because you get broad, multifunction HR experience. So I did benefits, compensation, mm-hmm. wage design, workforce planning, talent acquisition, which is recruitment, talent development, um, you name it. I kind of had good exposure to it and I was able to get the depth in it. So I've been in HR. For a really long time, worked in different industries, higher education. I worked in the automotive industry um, as a generalist and a consultant. I worked in manufacturing production, pretty large global company, um, where I had responsibility for HR programs and services for all in North America. And then, you know, worked in healthcare. And I've been in healthcare and human resources for like the last 12 years now and worked at varying levels. I was a generalist. I was a consultant, manager, director, whatever. In my current role, I'm a, um, a chief HR officer level, and I work for a really large, uh, well-established <laughs> academic medical center in the area whose name will remain nameless. Um, so in that role, I do like a lot of high-level strategic HR, and that's like organizational design, workforce planning, um, human capital analysis. I have um, a good background in diversity, equity, and inclusion work. I'm a certified diversity professional, so I do a lot of work with building out my organization's diversity and inclusion plan, which is kind of in its earlier stages, but I'm, I serve on various committees and as an advisor for different committees for that work because I have expertise in diversity, equity, and inclusion work in, in that space. Um, and I have a pretty, I have a dope team. Shout out to my team if you guys are going to watch this because I told them about it. Um, so yeah, I've been in HR a long time and I have done a lot at different levels, um, in my HR, journey if you will okay so what do you enjoy most about being an HR professional um and I always answer this question the same way and I'll say it here like this um I talked a little bit about my background as you know psychology right so my my education I have a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology and an MBA in human resources management I did both degrees at the same time and people were like what the hell does one have to do with the other well here's why you spend more of your awake hours at work with your coworkers than you do with your family. Mm-hmm. And whatever and whoever you are shows up to work with you, right? Whatever issues you have, they come to work with you. Just the way you pack your lunch, your issues pack themselves and they show up to work with you. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. And so for me, what I like about HR is being able to use both sets of my skills, my MBA preparation and my organizational psychology preparation to be able to help people deal with their issues, deal with themselves. And when I say issues, I don't necessarily mean the bad things, right? It's, it could be the discovery. It could be them 
figuring out their career path and where their passion and vocations meet and what to do to make something of that. So for me, I'm a developer of people and a developer of talent. So whenever I get to help influence that in a person's life or help them achieve that outcome professionally and personally, because I feel like I always take the kind of human-centered approach and a whole person approach, because I can't be a mentor to you professionally and ignore what's going on with you personally. So for me, what I love, you know, I kind of was trying to build the point that I'm making, but for me, being able to help develop the whole person, right, whether that's on their professional path or the personal path, and doing it in the workplace where they can contribute to the overall goal of the organization. People people are my passion. So that's what I like the most about each one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm always getting good. Y'all get me off. Stirred up and stuff. <laughs> I know. Oh, she's nerding out right now. I so, really am. <laughs> Um, so like for me personally, I worked at a job that the department was kind of toxic mm-hmm. and I did go to human resources with my concerns. Um, I guess my question for you being as though that you've seen different departments, you've seen different management styles, you've been around, you know, all different types of people within a professional environment. What do you think is the hardest, um, task when you have to like present <clears throat> to upper management like what their issues is with their people like this is why let's say for instance you have a high turnover rate or mm-hmm. you know there's a bunch of complaints you know yep. <laughs> because I feel like in some instances depending on how the structure is sometimes HR doesn't have any weight like they can't pull any weight like Complaints that I put in, like the person who I'm complaining about gets those reports. And so, I don't know. I know what you're saying. So <laughs> basically, how do you navigate, a, how do you navigate employee relations issues where, um, where the, the outcome employ- is effective and the outcome is, you know, it's not like, okay, this, the, the problem person is not getting swept under there. the rug and nothing. Yeah. Happening. Right. I will give it to you in this way, right? It's a couple of things that you need to consider here. So if an employee is coming to me for a complaint, to lodge a complaint um, against their leadership, right? Well, the, at the level that I'm at, the people who are coming to me are executives. Now my, st- my, my staff and my team, they support the departments. They're the consultants and the representatives for the workforce, meaning the, the employees and the leadership, well, management. Because I'm very clear that management and leadership are two different things. And every manager is not a leader. So That's I'm very, true. I'm very particular about how I use that language. So right. for the sake of this example, the employees and the manager, right? It is important that you go into it objectively and you listen and you coach the employee because the reality is they're coming to you. They're highly emotional. They, they, they may not even take a really organized approach and it's incumbent upon you as the advisor for them, right? Because in a role that we are in, we have to balance the interest of three entities, the employee, the manager in the organization, right? And it's important that you take an objective approach to be able to guide them through how to even um, properly articulate their concerns versus I don't like her because she harassing me and they doing this. Okay, so help me understand what that means. And this is where my my psychology background, my organizational psychology background comes in. And anybody who's ever who I've ever led, that's ever reported to me. I'm an excellent mentor to them, and I try to advise them on different strategies. And so you, you know, you give them an opportunity to vet and get it out. 
And then you walk them through very systematically. Give me an example of what you mean. How would you classify that? And the purpose of you doing that is helping that employee build their story so that as you move through that, that fact-finding discussion, because it's not an investigation, those are two different things, and we'll talk about that another time. You're trying to give it at the details of the story. You want them, and I tell them, the reason I'm asking you these questions, I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions. I will lean into things. I will push back, and I'll kind of, I'll get you to restate things because I need you to get extremely clear about exactly what it is, but I want you to do that in a way that articulates your experience very clearly, right? Um, meaning, if you come in and you're emotional, you're doing all that, okay, give me an example. How did that make you feel? Who is aware? Who was around? What did you say? How did you advocate for yourself? Do you feel empowered to advocate for yourself? Were you afraid? Tell me why you were afraid. And that helps me build out the story. And reality is, depending on the nature of the situation, sometimes, often, oftentimes it's personality conflict. Um, if I am going to go to that manager, I say to the employee, and a lot of times it's your fear of retribution, the employee doesn't want you to go to the manager. Well, how, how am I supposed to help you if I can't pursue this? Right. Right? And, I, and, and the thing is, it's just like, here, and I, I tried to tell them, I'm like, here's how I plan to pursue this. I need you to be a partner to me in pursuing this. I will do the heavy lifting. I'll stand up and take the punches because they don't phase me. And there's, you know, you understand what I'm saying? So that manager can emote, they can express, they can do whatever they want to do to me. There's only but how far they're going to go. Because here's the thing about human resources. It depends on the level of the role that you're in. And it depends on how your organization views human resources. If you right. work for an organization that views HR as a partner, a strategic partner, and they have a seat at the table. Right. There are certain things where HR is a role of influence because you're a support function. But if you are good at what you do and you and people trust your guidance, they will see your influence as authority. And there are certain things where HR is authority. Um, and it really is you have to have a passion for advocacy. You have to have a passion to get at the issue. And so there are times when an employee has come to me, I've helped them kind of shape their concerns. So that I can represent it intelligently and speak to it intelligently. So that when I'm going back to that manager or even above them, um, I can say here, you know, this person brought this to me. And there's a lot of times people come to HR, I want this to be confidential. And you're saying something like they, they, I feel that there's bias on behalf of my disability, my race. There's no such thing as confidential when it comes to that. Because the same way in, in child welfare, you've got mandated reporters, right? It's the same thing. If you come to me or if you come to someone in human resources and you disclose to them that there is any level of harassment or bias on the part of what's considered like um protected class, race, religion, sexual orientation, right. any of that, there's no such thing as confidentiality. There are ways that you can navigate that so that um, initially when you're doing fact finding, you can protect the person's identity. And you it takes a skilled HR person to do that. I can do that kind of shit in my sleep. Um, and I teach my staff to be able to do that stuff in their sleep. But there are other times where you got to be able to, to say, this was, you know, I've been made aware of these allegations. I'm giving you an opportunity right. to respond to that. Give me your version of the event as you as you perceive them or experience them. And you got to balance, you know, the, the details of the story in all parties. And there are often, oftentimes you've got to, you know, engage key witnesses, people who may have witnessed something or other people who work around them, whether they witness that event or not. Um, what is your experience in the workplace with these individuals? What is your workday like? And you gather details like that. I feel like I'm kind of going on and on. But I'm trying to touch <laughs> so on all me, the different parts of your questions. 
Yeah, but so let me ask you this. So say you go to HR, you feel like HR didn't handle it. Who is the next? It depends on the organizational. It depends okay. on the org structure. Okay. Right? In a large organization, you can have an ombuds office. You can go to Office of General Counsel. In a small organization, you will go, if you if you don't feel like your business partner or your representative or whatever they're calling the HR rep or person, here's what I also ask people coming in. So this is what you share with me is your concern. How would you like for me to pursue this? What type of resolution are you looking for? Because right. I need you to be clear about that. Right. Don't come to me with this issue and be like, you know, I just want it to stop. Okay, well, what does, what would it look like when it's, when it's done or when it stops? I need, right. I always try to get people very clear about their expectations and then tell them, here is the next step. And okay. what I find is helpful too, because there's always sometimes a perception that nothing happened because legally I can't go back to you and say, well, we wrote, we wrote this, we made the recommendation or work with the manager to write this person up because it's a privacy issue. And I think that honestly is a gap because there's no demonstration, public demonstration that something happened, even though something did happen, but we're just, we're not legally um, at liberty to, to share that. However, there's a way that you can couch that message because you should be going back to that employee with an update to say, we were made aware of your concerns. I took the details of your story. I shared it with the appropriate uh, leadership team. And going back to, to that manager sometimes is not effective. You need to get their boss involved. You should always do that right. depending on the situation. Sometimes, you know, yeah. And you know, here's what we, here's what I made them aware of. Here's, you know, some of the actions that were taken, rest assured that corrective action was taken against the, the party who perpetrated these offenses against you. You can say that without saying, we put them on a final written warning, we suspended them. So because what about if, I'm sorry, you report your manager or your boss to HR, mm-hmm. and then they they usually like, you don't wait something happens you go to hr you report it and the manager knows that it was you and so they start doing things to retaliation right right so then how do you define retaliation the retaliation the legal definition in that setting is that they are doing something to block um some type of advancement so they have overlooked you for a raise they won't give you stretch assignments they've overlooked you for promotion they are targeting you. They've changed your schedule. There's got to be some type of demonstrated right. injury. Or harassment. Versus, like, they don't speak to you in the morning. Well, no, I mean, no, no, not that. But, like, harassing. Harassing. How, how are you defining harassment? Because or a lot of people say harassment. Like, or, and it's like not harassment. Being critical of everything that you do. Or say you did a report and you've been doing these reports all this time with no complaints, right? But you and went all to HR, there. all of a sudden now, everything that you do. Oh, this is incorrect. Do it. So you know what I've done in situations like that when a person's worded back to me, I have circled back just to do a check-in, right? Or if it's something that's a known issue and I've engaged this manager of this employee, I've mediated discussions, facilitated, I've put a rules of engagement plan in. Here's how you will move forward to avoid these kinds of issues happening. And this person comes back and say, I feel like there's retaliation. I want to go back to that manager and say, you know, here's with the employee's permission, obviously. If you want me to be able to resolve it, you need to let me advocate for you and do it the right way. And then I start scrutinizing their actions. Well, okay, so now you're being extra meticulous on this report. How long has this person been doing this report? What is different now with the output that wasn't present before? Okay, if it was present before, um, and it's usually when you can tell they're full of shit, excuse my language. It's always always a problem before. Well, how how is it now that this is now being addressed? If it was always a problem before, why now is it being addressed? What's different? 
right. I lean in very heavily on them. Um, and the other thing too is just like, okay, so is this a normal practice for you to be able, to, is this a normal practice that you use to evaluate the productivity or of your employee or output or output for their work? Yeah. Okay. Well, walk me through this other person because I do my homework. I know who's on your staff. I know their performance evaluations. I get my information and I get my ducks in a row. So tell me about an expect, you know, an expectation for this person. What was it do? When did she give it to you? What, what rules did you use or what process did you use to evaluate her work? Can I see a demonstration of that? Can you give me proof? So I make it kind of damn near impossible for them to get around because I'm pretty diligent in the way I, I do fact finding. Same thing for my staff. Now I will tell you that every HR organization is not created equal and every HR person is yes. not created equal. Some yes. people are not that passionate or diligent. I happen to be one that is. You right. know why? Because I was on the receiving end of that kind of harassment in my former role that I was in as an HR person. And people mm-hmm. fail to realize sometimes you are, you are also an employee. Right. Exactly. And yeah. most organizations, HR people don't have an HR person. Right. Where I am, right. I happen to have, I have an HR like support. Where mm-hmm. I was in other, right. in that particular role, I did not have right. an HR person. So, so you were the HR. Yeah. So then who, who did you go to when you had? So I went to the vice president. Okay. For my sector, um, I went to our ombuds office. And when I say that, it depends on if this gets published on Facebook. Some people who see this are going to know what organization I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> uh, and I, it's okay. I don't care. Because, right. You know, right. Yeah. So I, I learned the hard way and I went through the ropes of that employee experience myself. And it yeah. completely informed how I advocate for employees. And the reality is there are some employees who come to you with issues and they're full of shit. Can I say that? Exactly. Yeah, you can um, say that. No, no, no. It really, be, it really yeah. is. They, they they know the language and they weaponize certain things. I don't feel safe. She is harassing right. me. Yeah. Your manager is constantly following up with you because you're not clocking in and out appropriately or you're not following a work rule. It's not harassment. They're right. within their right to, to do that. Yeah. What what level, like, you and, you know, try, I'm try, I try to get at their accountability. Well, tell me what happened. What's going on? And I coach everybody. I'm a coach by nature. So I might use it as an opportunity to coach the employee to say, well, okay, I can see that sometimes two things can be true. You're a problem employee, but your boss is also a problem boss. Right. right. And it's just, it's just a bad combination of things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's hard to be black and white because there's no black and white issue when it comes to human beings and behavior. It's always nuanced to consider. Um, yeah. But there are certain things that are just straightforward. So it, it really does depend on the situation. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's, yeah. let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about um, salaries and um, you want some negotiation tips? <laughs> yeah, some negotiation, negotiating salary tips. Um, say you you took a salary and then you to get the job and then you find out somebody who has not worked there longer than you, has less education, is making more money or things like that. Like, how do you... First of all, whenever you get an offer, don't be overeat. Don't be so, like, (laughs) eager to say accept it. Right. Use your negotiation. Here's the thing. If they're offering you the job, they find that your skill set is critical to the needs. It it meets a critical need for that business that you can fill. So there's already inherent value there. Use that as a negotiation tool, yeah. right? Say, all you know, they can do is say no. <laughs> all they can do is say no. What are you afraid of? What do you think they're going to jump through the phone and like eat you? Literally, no. Right. They can say no. 
Yeah. And the reality is, if you try to negotiate your salary, make them kind of come back and rethink offering you, you don't want to work there anyway. Because yeah. it tells you a lot about the value that they place on people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so negotiate. Say, you know, I appreciate that offer, but I was wondering if there's any room for, for flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, given my skill sets, yeah, and make sure you assess your skills compared to what the job is asking. I always tell people to do a T-chart cover letter, even if you send it to them or not. Here's what the job, here are my skills and here's what the job is asking. And if you match, you know that you're a good match. You know okay. you bring value. Mm-hmm. Um, here, you know, based on some additional information that I've learned through the interviewing process, you know, I find that the value of this job as compared to the value that I bring to the job is a little bit different than what I initially thought. And you put your ask on the table. Here's what I'm asking. Okay. But before you do that, it's good to do some reconnaissance, right? So is this a newly budgeted position? Is this a replacement position? How long has the position been vacant? So, for example, you go on an interview, right? And you get the job in June. You've been interviewing for two months, right? You get the job in June. And in your interview process, you, you, you ask these questions during the interview process to set you up for the negotiation should you get the offer. Oh, is this a new position? If it's a new position, then it gives, <coughs> you've got the latitude to make the role what it is. You bring your expertise to it to make the role what it is, right? If you're really good at what you do, the learning curve is going to be shorter. There's a shorter ramp up time. You can, you can help achieve whatever goals that the organization has set quicker because you've got expertise. Use right. that to your advantage and sell that. If it isn't a new position, it's a replacement position. How long has this role been vacant? I'm interviewing in April. Oh, it's been vacant since November. Oh, and then you continue to have your conversations. Well, what type of uh, budget year do you operate on? Do you have a fiscal year or a calendar year? If it's a fiscal year and they say, oh, our fiscal year ends in, J- in July. This job has been vacant since November, four months into your fiscal year, and you're offering it to me in June. This role has been vacant for almost a year. That's almost a year's worth of unextended salary that you have. Right. You can afford to give me some more money. <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? Right, right, So right. ask those questions during the interview with the goal of setting you up to have leverage to negotiate your salary. So yeah. there's two tracks. If it's a new position, you can make it what it is. There's going to be some level of learning curve. There's going to be some level of ambiguity. You need to you need to reward my skill set for the ambiguity and helping you build out something that you don't even know what you need yet. Right. Use your skill set to the in your expertise to your advantage. If it's a replacement, find out where they are, their budget year, calendar fiscal year, where they are, how long the position's been vacant. There yeah. you go. I think sometimes people are just scared to and they don't know that. or don't know. Yeah, they yeah. don't know. So those are definitely like this um, is a job that commands ninety or a hundred thousand dollars in the market. It's been vacant for ten months. You do the math. You have right. not spent ninety thousand dollars of your budget for that position. You have extra money to give me. Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily necessarily true because other staff could have been working overtime and they could have been paying them as well. Yeah, but it doesn't come from that the budget for that FTE. Okay, it's a separate budget for overtime, and it and and those staff who are working that whatever overtime expenses that they've incurred is assigned to that labor that line item for their their FTE. So if you got ten people in a in a company right on a department, each of those people represents a salary line or a budget so to speak. Now, I have, and a lot of people get vacancy savings all the time for roles that are vacant. It's money that you have not had to spend in salary. That money has right. to go somewhere. Either right, you will put forward in your budget yeah. the next year or... That's true, but it it's not else. just salary. And it's not just salary that and you're not benefits, playing. That's right. You're not playing benefits as well. Correct. 
That's and you're right. not paying they've those got payroll some money taxes. that they correct absolutely <laughs> so they've got some money somewhere in the budget that has not been expended that they could use to fund additional money so okay. that's, that's just yeah. one or, or two different ways to kind of think about yeah. it but you've got to know that in order yeah. to understand that so a i coach and counsel a lot that. of people on this thing right on that particular topic right here yeah and i would say probably like 95 percent of those people have gotten a yes based on me counseling them on that a couple of people yeah. who I want to call out now, but I don't want to blow up their spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you, I know this. Um, no, go ahead, Janina. I know this. Well, for me, I, I'm just like newly back on, like, I just got a new job in July, but I decided last week that, um, I'm actually looking for a fully remote position. So, um, phone calls I've been getting. Normally, we talk about salary in the beginning because yeah. it's not no point of us wasting my time, your time, or whatever. So, um, that I think, like, I haven't been since a long time ago where I would be like scared to ask about money. And then, um, you go through all these darn interviews seven interviews, five interviews, or whatever, and you don't even mm-hmm. know. Like, that's a waste. And it's $25,000 less than what that's you're That's a waste. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, and that, that's some, somewhat is a good thing when you use like a recruiting firm because they usually know from the beginning. Oh, okay, or your recruiter. Looking, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're looking to pay 75. They're looking to pay 85. Okay. Well, let me see. Like, I've had like the toxic job I was talking about, like the money that they were trying to pay me. The, initially it wasn't even what I was getting paid at my current job so I was like well you have to do better and it made it seem like oh well, we have to go to the CFO to get this approved and da, 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 da. And like, once I, listen once I got up in there and I work because I'm working in the finance department and I mm. see the money that I see the money that these people are making and I'm like well you can pay him six million dollars <laughs> and he ain't, and he ain't in the office like nowhere near as much as me. Like giving me fifty five thousand dollars was nothing. Like, yeah, I'm that's crazy. crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's the other thing too, though, about I'm to go back to this on the, the negotiation. That strategy I gave you depends on the organization. If this is a corporation, a really large, well-funded nonprofit, you've got exactly. that ability to maneuver this way if this is a small nonprofit where the majority of the positions are grant funded right mm-hmm. you should yeah. first of all you should ask that how are these positions funded yeah you know how are they sustained if you find out up front it's a grant funded position it might be less kind of flexibility exactly. to negotiate in that way and wiggle mm-hmm. room yeah. and also you might want to consider if this is like the permanency of this right, right. Yeah. But I tell people all the time, like people be so afraid. I'm like, listen, I said it earlier. You spend more of your awake hours at work with your coworkers and your family. Exactly. Guess what? I'm interviewing you too. Right. If I'm giving yeah. you right. my time. And I'm you know interviewing what, you too. You know what was even crazier is that after I started at this job, so the job, I took the job not because of the money, but because it, I was going to learn more, right? So I kind of, um, that was the, the trade off. But yeah. afterwards, they started administering personality te- personality tests <laughs> personality tests for like other candidates because they were making it seem like oh you know we want to make sure that the person to be a good fit but like I'm probably sure there's a legitimate reason the, for that yeah but the VP here I didn't find I didn't realize until after I was like. I gotta go. This is the first time in my entire life I ever quit a quit a job without having another job lined up. But I realized, girlfriend, you the toxic person. Like, and that's you. And I just had this conversation. 
people don't quit companies, they quit people. They quit yes. managers. Yes. Um, yes. and let me tell you, I'm sure that you said, you mentioned that she was toxic. They, the leadership and who, what, whoever else has been getting that feedback, right? But and they're they probably implemented changes yeah. to make sure that they're selecting the right people and they have a, a they, better fit. I don't think so. Their case, because she was so, because she was so, like, intricate in the development of the organization and she probably knew where the bodies were buried to like let's <laughs> yeah, just say there's a reality sometimes. let's just say yeah. what i'm saying like this company grew and she's been there for a really long time she's probably in her 60s she oh, had yeah. been there for a really long time and so every time they acquired a new business she was the one who was, was looking at the finances the expert, yeah. okay yeah we need to pay this we need to pay that blah 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 so if it was any text information that she could have possibly like fudged a number for or whatever, like I think they're just I think they were just like we're just waiting for her to retire. The risk of the risk of offboarding her is or her yeah the reward the, versus when you think about the reward versus the risk. The risk was greater than the reward of out of offboarding because her. it didn't affect like them because it did, right. yeah. How it affected them directly was the money. But it does affect them. They just don't have enough insight or care or. Exactly. You know, to yeah. look at it. And people don't realize that. Like the, the no. value of low morale or low productivity, like it's expensive. Yes. And people don't always, they don't necessarily quantify the quality. Exactly. Because right? quality, quality, you can easily quantify something. You can look at the numbers of overtime and all that. People don't ever do root cause analysis. And this is the kind of work that I do, right? I do organizational assessments, evaluation, all that kind of work to look at how do you, let's quantify these these issues, right? Like what is your morale? What are your morale issues? But the organization, yeah, but the organization the has to care. Look, yeah. The organization has to care, but you also have to be in a position where you can influence them to care. And I just don't have to be in a position where I, now I can do that at this yeah. stage in my career. And yeah. I happen to be a type of person who cares about that. So, and I have people here, and then other people too. But to your point, and to your point, the organization has to care about it, yeah. right? It has to care. I and think I'm a lot of times with the, the culture, it's a 400 plus year old culture. You're not changing that overnight. Yeah. I think a lot of times they, uh, like with organizations, they feel like, oh, she left. Like, we'll just hire no like, somebody out of grad, out of fresh out of college that's looking for less money and Turn train and them. And it's, yeah. like, it's penny wise and pound foolish. And I tell people that all the time. Like your cost yeah. of the cost of turnover is people don't do. I do this kind of analysis a lot. Oh the cost of turnover is high. It's not yeah. just the recruitment mm-hmm. cost. Like if you place an advertisement, it's the overtime cost. It is the loss of productivity. It's the reduced time to you know efficiency. It is the cost of the people assigned to fill in that that requisition. The recruiter's salary, mm-hmm. how many hours they spend. Like there are right. numbers there that you can get if you do the math. And it's expensive. Right. Like I'll give you an example. There's a project I've worked on, right? And I won't say what it is, um, but it was, it's a, it was a compensation project and the cost to address this compensation issue was like 1.75 million. But the cost wow. of the high turnover for this particular function in the work, in our workforce, um, when you like extrapolated it out over a year was like $2.8 million. So you're spending more money on these high, on this high turnover and vacancies. Then you are to just adjust the compensation, which is a part of why people were leaving. Exactly. Right. So now we're about a year out and I can very easily measure the return on investment. My, my turnover is going down. The cost of utilizing contingent labor or temp organization, temp staff exactly. is going down. And people think I'll just get a temp. Well, 
because I don't yep. want to pay for benefits. Let me tell you something about tests. It's called markup. The average markup right now, oh, yeah. depending on the on the profession, on average is like forty two percent. Yeah. Meaning if so you're, you're paying a person double an hour, that. they're going to charge you forty percent more than that because you're paying a bill rate. So people right. they just exactly. click fixes, but they don't do the analysis. And I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a um analysis person. I'm very data driven and data focused. I like to make strategic decisions. And you do that by using data. So anyway, I feel like I'm all up here, like, abstract. <laughs> no. This is the stuff. I love this kind of stuff. It's like, I feel like the organizations that I've worked at, they probably need, like, a st- strategic planning person or, like, a HR professional to come in but a lot kind of yeah. help them with that stuff. Because it's like, they don't care. They be trying to be cheap, but sometimes yeah. being cheap costs you more in the long you run. You're gonna spend money in business, but the reality is, you spend more money when you're reactive versus proactive. Exactly. That's just yeah. 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 yeah, like it, it's, and then you should you should pay attention to your trends. So if you're noticing that you're losing so many people in this one particular department or under this one particular lead uh, manager. Exactly, and it's like, and then factoring the cost of a lawsuit, right? Because that gets <laughs> crazy. that gets pricey and hefty. Yeah, and those are things like one of the questions stuff. you asked was, "Do you find it difficult to express concerns to the management team?" No, I do not, because here's why: where there is smoke, there's fire, and I always translate issues to dollars. People listen to dollars. Here's what this issue is going to cost you, or here's what it they is do. costing you. What or or they listen to quantitative metrics. You. They listen to metrics, right? Numbers. So the numbers don't lie. You can trade. And I am good at this. When I do my consulting for people and I'm doing their resumes, I'm like, and we talk about achievements and different things like that. I'm like, well, we can get at the percentage. I can help you figure out the math. Because you can always get at the math of things. Like, listen, those all those statistics courses I took in undergrad and graduate, they came in handy. <laughs> so let me, so let's switch gears again, because you talked about resumes. Um, uh, what are some tips to get your resume looked at and not thrown in the trash? <laughs> Don't be too wordy. Um, and white space. White space is a concept that I can, I can, let me tell you something. I can immediately look at a resume and be like, it's good or bad. And I can cost it. So with something. Like I can look at somebody's resume and tell you what they're worth in the market. Like this person is a $80,000 person. So what, are, you, so what, what are some things that stand out on a resume that tell you? As for me, and most people who are actually reading them, formatting issues, grammar and syntax issues, like if you're not punctuating things, spelling, those kinds of things, right? Because you're, it's, your, it's part of your brand. Mm-hmm. Part of your brand. So make sure you're representing yourself well, even if it means spending a few more minutes looking at it the format, the order of things, right? Right. Like if you're applying for a director of marketing position and you have an objective on your resume, so obtain a position and I want to be like not even <laughs> such an outdated practice. Even for people who are entry level and don't have many years of experience, you do a career summary. Right. You call out the very use three really strong adjectives to des- to describe who you are. Even if you're a customer service person, say customer service professional um, service oriented, problem solver, whatever. Not objective to obtain a position in an organization to advance my skills. It seems very. I, I just recently got rid of my objective. Listen, I just Don't recently got rid of my objective when I'm gonna see you my resume, but I had pay, I paid somebody <laughs> to to do my resume, but I didn't think that they. Hmm. But I don't they know, got you, sis. They got you. 
but now that you say the objective thing, because I did have I did have the objective on there, but they replaced it with they did replace it with what you said. Yeah, yeah was, I think it depends on the level of your career. Yourself. But anyway, um, I think yeah, um, it, it depends. depends on where what level of your career you're in. Like, if you have ten years of experience. Why would your objective be to gain a position and this? And you shouldn't even have a statement on your resume that says objective right. ten years. Yeah, because you've already. That's what I'm saying. I never knew that. I just would add. I was just adding. I mean, the objective was there whatever the, format. Yeah, the objective was there from the creation, and then as I got other jobs, the jobs were being added to the resume. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. And you lead with what you want people to know about you, and to what demonstrates your value. Yeah. Even if you were somebody who was in like. Um, retail positions, like there are certain skills that are marketable if you're in a retail position, right? You do service recovery, you problem solve, you're an excellent communicator, you're a collaborator, you're a team builder. Leave with that. I wish I could share my screen because I would show you my resume to give you an example, but I'll share it with you guys at another time. But I mean, I think an objective is appropriate for someone who's in like high school who's trying to get a position there. But once you get at least two years of experience, you should not have an objective on your resume. Yeah, you do a professional summary or a career summary depending on where you are in your career. I didn't um, and use action so statements before. and conjugate your verbs, and also <laughs> um, meet like seriously, please conjugate your verbs or um <laughs> or tense. Tense is important. If you if I see an end date on this job, this is complete. That's right. Present tense. You don't work there anymore. Completed. Yeah. Pay attention to the small yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't those learn are very that minor stuff things. Until grad school where we had like a uh, resume professional because up until grad school I still had my object- objective on my resume mm-hmm. and they looked at that and it was like no you have too many years of experience yeah and Google I've made your the friend. mistake yeah and I've made the Google. mistake too of having an end date on a job and said work like present it. Yeah. working on or working on such as yeah so you're not responsible for that no more you left Right, exactly. So it should be past tense, right? Um, and also Google is your friend. So for example, if the, I'm going to use keep the example of a marketing person, director of marketing, right? You want to see a really good resume? Google director of marketing marketing resume mm-hmm. and go to images. That will show you exactly how you should format. And if you're using Microsoft Word, go to the help function and type in resume. It'll give you a good template for that. They, and they mm-hmm. uh, Word updates their templates all the time. So you don't got to do, if you're not a formatting guru, right? You yeah. don't know all that stuff on like the top on the board at the top of Microsoft Word and how to use those functions. If you get a template, you just plug and play. Yeah. Add water and stir, make it easy. And they've already formatted it for you. Yeah. And make sure your font match and the in the and the font size match matches. So I don't want Times Courier up here and then um Calibri down here and then this is twelve and this is fourteen and six stuff like that looks sloppy and it tells me that you're not a person who pays attention to detail. And if this is a job or that's a critical skill, I'm going to pass you over. But you got attention to detail for your resume. Right. Yeah. And make it's sure what you lot. put on your resume, you can come up with an ex- at least one example of how you employ that skill or how you yeah. have mastered it. Don't put stuff that's catchy and you're not doing it. Because yeah. I ask, if you're interviewed with me, I'm a good interviewer. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about it. Practice. In the mirror, practice with yourself. It's a, and I for, think for the, that... Like with the resume writing and the cover letter writing, I think that's the ongoing learning process. Here's the thing about the cover letter. Your cover letter is what your the body of your email at this point. Don't send two documents anymore. Some people will take time to read it, but this day and age they don't. Um, so when you're if you have to email your resume to someone, the 
cover letter should body. be the body of your email and it should be one paragraph summarizing your skills okay. and then do a t-chart literally like make a table here are my skills here are the skills that the jobs ask for and maybe like five five to six bullets so that they can clearly see these are the skills and expertise i possess here's how it connects to what you are asking for because you want to point out to them i meet i meet the requirements and exceed them Reading that, they're going to jump right to your resume, look at the histories and experience, and they'll move you through. And then really good power words are good because most places use an applicant tracking system. And so um, make sure you put some good powerful words in there to describe action-oriented things and to, to show that you are a doer and someone who can execute, not just somebody who can take instruction and execute on the instruction they gave you. Like, do you have the ability to think through a problem and problem solve on your own? So Pinterest is a good place for that. Resume words, Google is a good place for that. So make sure these words are in your resume because applicant mm. tracking systems parse out words. So right. if the job is looking right. for this and they know that these are critical competencies for this job, it's going to pull your resume and, and search for those words. Mm. It's called a concept file. Yeah, that's supposedly what the people did. That's yeah. supposedly what the people did that I paid for. They did at least give me like a template on how to update my LinkedIn profile. And that's another um, thing. And how much I mean, did I you do, pay these people? You want to know? <laughs> yeah, I'm I do. curious. A lot of money. I'm hoping it's less than $300 for what I hear you saying you got. Did they do your LinkedIn profile? He didn't do it. He gave me like this template of like, click here, go to here, click here, go to here. Like, I don't oh, know how, how to speak. update it. He told you, so he how, much? you how to create a profile. How much I think it was, pay? I think it was like $3.99. It was a That's black too much for what he gave you. Mm. Well, maybe no, it's not because I charge more than that for that profile, like a career branding profile. Because that's the other thing. I also do consulting. I have a consulting business as well. And I, I consult small businesses on HR um, things. So, and I do executive coaching and resume writing and interview skills prep and all that. For the whole, so an individual, you would charge them three ninety nine to do their resume. It depends on well, for my package, it depends <laughs> on what I'm doing for you. Okay. But I'm also yeah. very, I'm all a developer of people, so I get connected. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I slowed down on taking clients because I'm trying to balance all the other roles in my life, but I'm about to ramp it up again. And yeah, okay. I mean, that sounds about yeah, right. Well, LinkedIn, cover letter, LinkedIn and your resume. Yeah. Well, LinkedIn yeah. has the ability to, um, you can, you can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> Forgetting so again. LinkedIn, all right, I'm sorry. You can partner with LinkedIn, right? And you can um solicit your business via LinkedIn so that like yeah. when somebody like me or whoever is looking for this service, they click on a button or whatever and Oh, then, I know all about that. Yeah. Oh, you do, okay. Because yeah. that's how I found out about it. So like I got, you know, a quote from multiple people, but you know, I'm yeah. trying to support my people. So I went with the black guy. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, give them feedback too. Give them good constructive I mean, I did. feedback to help make it better. Right, as a client, here's it what wasn't you need him, to understand about he didn't work he, on my well, he, he, business. No, he right. He marketed as though I was under the impression like that he would be the one doing my resume, but that wasn't the case. He had somebody else on his team do it, but he yeah. needs to know how his team's representing his business, and he needs to know the client experience so he can I refine his service. Good, I'm glad you did. Because, like, the guy was asking me a question, like, he was asking me something about a job that was on my resume. 
And in my opinion, you should research that. If you don't know. I know why he's asking you. Because I do the same thing. No, because you need to represent it in your words. Because if he's going to put it on your resume, he needs to. He needs to reflect how you would speak to it in an no, interview. I'm talking about just a word. Like, what is, I wish I could find it. But like, what does, what does, it was a word that was on my resume that pertained to the job function. And he asked like what that word meant. Is I it could, a well-known I, I industry could, word or here's in defense no. of him. It could be a reason he's asking that because the reality is I could look at so many resumes they all have the same exact job title and their jobs are completely different. So it's not universally understood. So no, perhaps was, I wasn't. It, it was really it that. was a, it okay. was an actual. Yeah, I. I wish Sorry, I brother. I'm trying to help was, you out here. <laughs> I think good. he asked like, "What does fiduciary mean?" or something like that. I can't remember. Google, my but friend, it was, Google. Yeah, it, I, was, it was something um, that he could have Google. It wasn't we'll do something like that because my oh. background is in mental health and social work, and now we don't say uh, disabled or right. things like that. We say neurodiverse. And right. so the person who was helping me with my resume was like, you should take that out. I was like, no, no I'm not taking that out. This is how we speak in this yeah. field. So this language is germane to my profession. And people certain who stuff, I'm yeah. interviewing for will know. Well, no. And it exactly. shows that I'm on the cutting edge and evolution of my profession. So I'm keeping up with trends. So it, it just it. showed me that people say they're resume writers and this and that, but then you still can't trust you have people who write who for can format a good resume and make, make it look pretty but they can't get it soon thankfully yeah, exactly. i'm I, I i can do all of the above so tell the people well if you want to because i know you said you i was tooting my own horn a little bit but i'm just saying like i ain't <laughs> so get to where i'm at without without you know but anyway tell the people if you want to your social media if they want to follow you and if you want to plug um your business it's up to you not yet I'm working okay. on, on all of that right now for my business, but I would hope that if you guys come do like an HR and you part two, I can come back and do it then. <laughs> yes. I just gave you all the title, okay? I just gave you HR the HR you. Okay. <laughs> but okay. you can, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Can you fit? Okay. Yeah. Cause we're speaking of which, we're... one last thing about LinkedIn. It is a professional <laughs> social media network. Girl. This is not where you post your pictures with the duck lips and you, at the club, no. Why was I on LinkedIn and people it's not what it's for. arguing it's like they was on Facebook? I he said on Instagram or Facebook. Is that what y'all do on LinkedIn now? Don't put it on social media at put all. Put your whole job and everything linked to your profile. You going back and forth arguing and cursing with people on LinkedIn? Where they do Speaking of which, take your jobs off of your social media accounts for the love of all things holy. Don't have your job on Facebook. Take it off. Yeah. You guys have been seeing what's happening. Yeah. Yes, don't list your job because so people have their jobs on Facebook. Fire. Yes, yeah. that's how they get you know fired. How many we get for that kind of stuff <laughs> for saying Take stuff on posts and then people report back to their and job. I know you love your coworkers. The boundaries are important. Yes, limit the number not even of just that. Limit the number of your coworkers and people you work with as your friends oh, yes. on social media. Yes, keep oh, your yes, life. Keep it boundaries. Boundaries. Boundaries oh, yes. are important. Yes, people don't That's become right. my friend on That's Facebook right after I leave a job. And like, sometimes not. Sometimes not. Yeah. Because yeah. you never well, know we, we had to cross be again cool. in the place, you know? Exactly. Right. right. But I also, I think if you're looking for a job, you should have your Facebook private. So Absolutely. That even if a job private. is looking for it, they can't see. Absolutely. Make your Facebook private, please. Yes. Make all oh. your social media private. <laughs> 
They, there's no there's blurring of boundaries. People don't respect boundaries. Boundaries are there to keep you safe. And not necessarily mean from physical harm, but safe to protect and preserve different parts of your life. Please respect boundaries. I don't want to see a duck lips on LinkedIn. And not even for like professional things. Like I sit on, on the board of a couple, like I used to sit on the board for scholarships. You know how many teenagers have lost scholarships because their social media presence was just yeah. uncouth? Right. And, and, these, and this transfers into your professional life. This follows yeah. you. Everything Other is Other stuff that you uh, say about your job yeah. or social media, it even depends if on it what is you private. Is it, even if it is private, if you are exp- expressing concern about, I want to work today, this place is driving me crazy. It's unnecessarily stressful. They don't get it. That's fine. That's protected information because even if you're unionized or not, it's protected by the NLRB social media uh, regulations and policy. You can express your you can, you can describe your workplace experience, but you cannot be disparaging about people in particular or call okay. people names or anything inflammatory. Okay. But yeah. even if you're friends with coworkers, just don't put anything on social media. Exactly. Don't, I love my they coworkers, go but we're tell. not friends. Yeah. They mm-hmm. gonna report every little Back thing. Boundaries. And if they if they not reporting it back, they screenshotting it. And they, send it you know how many screenshots else. I have in my emails? People have done things on social media. I can only imagine. I've had, listen, Snapchat people doing stuff in the workplace on Snapchat. I was on my lunch break, but this is company property. Are you showing, you're showing the brand of the company. As long as you're wearing mm. a brand, you are acting as an agent of that organization on or off the clock. People will assume that you represent the interests of that organization. You have damaged exactly. their brand and thereby damaged their business, which makes you subject to yes. progressive discipline because it is most likely a violation of their professionalism and standards of conduct policy. Yes. All you those Karens, all those Karens who people searched down their companies and they were getting <laughs> all those tweets and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Take your yeah, things like, off of social right. media. That's not the place for that. Put it on LinkedIn. We definitely got to have, um, have you back for part two. There's yes, a lot of information. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. So okay, you can y'all. So Kenya said that y'all can follow her on LinkedIn. Kenya K E N Y A Pit P I T T. So make sure y'all go follow her. Um, for some good HR tips. And if you're so, in school, I'm going to be teaching some adjunct professor classes in the next year. So come take my classes too. Where are you? I'm in the middle. I'm deciding on which university. To, oh, that's so um, dope. Always yeah. go back home. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I might. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we're yeah. going to close out our podcast like we always do with our lyrics. Do you have any lyrics, Kenya? That relates um, to the topic of the podcast? I told you I mentioned Money Bag Yo Scorpio. That song that's playing in my head, but I don't oh, think it's appropriate. To do with the episode. <laughs> I don't think it's appropriate for the episode. So no. Okay. But I, nope. All right. So my lyrics are from um, "She Works Hard for the Money" by Donna Summer, oh, and the that. lyrics I chose, of course, "She Works Hard for the Money," so hard for her, honey. She works. She works hard for the money, so you better treat her right. Oh, I wish I would come prepared for this. <laughs> What's your lyrics, Jadina? So mine's is from Beyonce, Run the World. Um, I work my nine to five, better cut my check. This goes out to all the women getting it in, you on your grind. To all the men that respect what I do, please accept my shine. Boy, you know you love it. How we smart enough to make these millions, strong enough to bear the children, then get back to business. Hey, <laughs> who run the world? Girl. 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 
Well, All right, we'll give you some Doja Cat woman lyrics, but okay. one line is like, okay. And I, I, I like listening to this song all the time, um, but it's a little explicit, so I'm going to skip that particular part, but she's just basically explicit. empowering. This ain't a kid's podcast. All right, well, I'm going to just say it then. Okay, here we go. She says, got to prove to myself that I'm on top of it, and you will never know a god without a goddess. And honest as effing honest gets. And I can be on everything. I could be the leader, head of all the states. I could smile and jiggle through his pockets, Cynthia. I could be the CEO, just like Robin Cynthia. Shout out to you, Rihanna. And I'm going to be here for you because you're on my team, girl. Let me be your woman. So okay. on that note, there you go. Yes. yes. Woman yes, power, honey. Yes. Well, we would like to thank Kenya for coming through to the Draw a Podcast. Yes. This is, us some this is perfect timing. Kids. She's fitting to be sick of us. Because we both looking for a job. Call me, y'all. I ain't going to charge you. I, we I need, charge people, too. We but need I ain't gonna stuff charge for, like, our <laughs> own businesses and stuff. So, all right. Prepare to be sick of me. Prepare to be sick of us. <laughs> Call me at 215 No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got. I got yeah, I'm not gonna get much. I don't even know is that is that uh inf- that's information. That's information. Like, Celia got my number. So I, I can, got. Yeah, okay. I got. I'll get it from Celia. The real yeah. number. So yeah, I'll get it from Celia. We just thank her so much. It was so much good information. Um, again, follow her if you're interested. Lots of gems being dropped. So, thank y'all for tuning you in. Should. Thanks for listening to my mom and auntie. Make sure you guys follow them on Instagram at the underscore drawing underscore podcast. On Twitter at W underscore the J and on TikTok at the join a podcast. Don't forget to ask the join sending your listener letters to the join pod at gmail.com. Let's go. They're just Ambitious women networking, while some other women aspire to get Birkin, while some other women hit the club and get twerking. Educated women know that it's a bit irking, whether you be a woman or you be a male. You need to listen to Janina and Shalia L, cause if you know like I know ain't nothing better than the Billy John, authenticity is something that they really on. <laughs> this is the John. <laughs>